Everybody, this is Charlie from Anthrax, and you are listening to today's Boondoggle. This is Mark Metcalf, and you are listening to today's Boondoggle with Bailey Domain Cleveland Radio. You are listening to today's Boondoggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. Yes, Kato Kalen listens to this all the time. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's boondoggle. And a uh, real quick housekeeping note, if you are watching us on uh, YouTube or BitChute, Rumble, or Odyssey, please hit that follow and subscribe button. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, Google, any of those podcast platforms, please hit the follow and subscribe button so I can continue to bring you conversations like the one I'm uh bring you today we're bringing back our special edition uh monday night news uh episodes for the, for this uh particular guest i've uh been watching some of his interviews on the sgt report uh new templars and a couple other of uh, the uh outlets that are out there and uh what an amazing amazing story and i definitely am happy and excited to have have him on uh my show tonight uh i'm talking with uh mr nathan reynolds how are you doing i'm doing wonderful i'm really glad to be here bill yeah i'm really excited to have you here and um you know i i mean you have quite an amazing story and i want to get uh into that um usually though when i have people on for the first time um i, I get a quick background and i know yours is going to be a little different and interesting but um before you know things got crazy i don't know like what childhood was like, but do you remember as a kid, like what you uh, originally wanted, wanted to be when you grew up? Man, good question. Before, before things got crazy, you know, I, I, the first word I ever wrote with my hands was paleontologist. And that's literally what I wanted to be. You know, I grew up in that very uh, Jurassic Park era. And that was the, the thing that first captivated me. Like this was like one of the first fossils I ever found in, in Southern Florida. When I was uh, going down there, my family sold our house about five years ago and traveled full time in an RV for a few years all over the country. And that was one of the first places I went was on a quest to find fossils and dinosaur bones, dragon bones, you know. And so that was always like a, a deep passion of mine. And later it kind of got cultivated and turned towards the military. And But that was definitely one of those first little like uh, sparks of hope about what I could be someday. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like the innocence of childhood. and. Um, mm -hmm you know, imagination. And, and I, I always like to take my guests back there, uh, when we, when we get started, but of course, um, you know, as they start sharing, usually then what they, you know, how, what got them into what they're doing today. Mm. Um, I know yours, um, from what I've, I've heard on the other broadcast took like a different turn. When did, uh, it start for you? Like, you know, the innocence of childhood, when did things not seem 
right and the and and uh you know that you realized maybe you weren't in a uh i guess i guess for you it was a norm it was normal it was the normal family yeah. as a youth but like when did you start thinking things aren't too normal you know like like you said i grew up in a family that was just it was basically a generational incest-based family. I did, there's no other more accurate way to describe it, an organized crime family where systemic abuse of the children was normal, in particularity between the grandfathers or great-grandfathers and the, and the grandsons. And so for me, family reunions, family time, traveling around the country, visiting different family members was always just steeped in, in a, a layer of pain and dread, like a constant state of of dread and unpredictability my life was constantly destabilized and i didn't know what people's intent or motives were on any given time or basis so i lacked i lacked so much stability and it, it gave me a sense of just a constant restlessness a need to escape a need to kind of get out and run away and at the same time the in inescapability of pain and suffering was just kind of inevitable on the other side i just that that kind of illusion of childhood innocence was taken such a at a young age for me and so the idea that I could be escaped, the, the idea that I could be autonomous or have my own choice in my life really went, got, got bled out of me around six years old when I got caught up in this horrible violence and abuse that was going on down in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. And at this place called the London Bridge is centered down there. And Robert P. McCulloch and C.V. Wood, the designer of, of Walt Disneyland, they built this pedophile pleasure island for the city of London, a sovereign, legal sovereign territory that has autonomy, um, legal sovereignty in the United States on this little pleasure island. And my family would pass me down through there and go use me and abuse me like a battery bank. It was just a child exploitation ring that's still operating down there through the Jesuits and the Roman Catholic Church. And I, I uh, was convinced that there was no saving me. There was there was death just began to, to pervade my thoughts in my life and depression set in and and I just changed who I was. I went by a totally different name. I went by this name, Nate, and half of me was happy and joyful and the other half of me was completely locked away in, in absolute commitment of despair. And so that that innocence began to just get fractured away from me. And even as the progression of my life went on, I stopped smiling in any pictures or showing my teeth or that that illusion of of hope just was bled out of me. And so I was really trapped in that cycle. And it wasn't until death and violence and, and retribution got introduced to me that I had any kind of a semblance of hope that if I could at least fight my way back or kill kill these monsters, get get revenge and try to prevent them from hurting others, I would have that freedom was found for me through the edge of vengeance and so this in torture anguish campaign that i was trapped in just kind of permeated my life for many years now um just for my audience who might not be too familiar with with your family uh story you want to tell a little bit about uh the family that you come from yeah what they're so known for yeah, my my family, the the Reynolds family that I come from, there's a there's a few different branches of the Reynolds family. And I, I come from a, a branch that traffics in secrecy and blackmail. And so they're the brokers of deals and favors in uh in I don't know if it's necessarily the upper echelon of society, but a form of it. And uh they 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 believe they have the generational divine right of kings, that they have the bloodline of the serpent in their blood. And so they they're ensconced in this serpent worship. And what happened is a few generations back, the ancestors of mine that were archaeologists uncovered these serpent mounds they began to be collecting of a lot of ancient they would say indian artifacts now but it really wasn't that they were they were looking for a priest class there's a serpent priest class that that permeated mesoamerica and central and south america and north america for generations and they were looking specifically for 
for tomes and books that talked about rites and rituals in order to call up the plume serpent of which America gets its name. America is named after the land of the plume serpent. That's literally the name of the, the Quetzalcoatl as, as others had referred to it. But they, they came across these tomes and these rites and they began to, to enact these, these ritual magics in order to bring up these serpents and these, these, these beings. I'm not talking about some kind of like ethereal fairy mythological creature thing. I'm talking about these these entities these creatures that have a foretelling capacity in them that, that live and dwell inside the earth and they can be drawn up through the conditions of human sacrifice and specifically a type of of babylonian sex magic that involves the the slaughter and torture of of children specifically males under the age of nine but generally under the age of six are, are preferred in in the use of that and it draws them out and they they engage in covenants ultimately this this pursuit of this x class of people that engage in in ritual magic to try to talk to these spirits and get foretelling for they want to know the future and so my family made deals with these spirits and covenants with these spirits and the cost was always curses these curses that would come upon people that people became the expendable masses that were fed into this system of death and so this is where a lot of the the power broking for the the reynolds family had its origin point and so my mother on on my mother's side the um that I come from, they are ones that are much more based in the Roman Catholic church. And so when, when those two families joined forces, the Reynolds family and the Zarnovskis that I, I descend from, there was this mixing between those old religions. And so my family utilized child exploitation rings in order to, to procure blackmail documentation and evidence against not necessarily people of power sometimes, but a lot of them, it was just anybody they could compromise. At the end of the day, they, they believed that to control other individuals, Specifically, I'm talking about this old religion. There's other networks that people want to talk about. I'm going to explicitly talk about this, these, this families. I refer to them in my book, Snatched from the Flames. This is like the mafia style people. This is the black nobility, these Orsinis, the Medicis. These are the people that, that are descendants and heralds back to Persia and back to Babylon. They really believe sincerely they have the divine right of kings. They have a different seed line, a different bloodline that gives them the right to use cattle people as cattle as as property and so this is why humans are human resources even as we've been conditioned and brainwashed in our society through the compulsory education system that people are products that can be utilized just the same as we would think of a cow and so that that ideology that doctrine gave them what they believe was legal justification physiological culpability to pursue dominance over people and this is what my family grew in 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 power and ability and capacity in order to compromise other individuals and they used either the vice or their price in order to find a way to compromise people and that really is the comprom compromise really is the currency of the kingdom of darkness and this is what i was born into wow yeah and um like for the audience too like what uh you know are are some of the that the public would know about the reynolds family um mm -hmm like where the where your uh, wealth and and uh fame comes from the the main more um especially in in north america the reynolds family that most people are going to be akin to is descendants of of individuals that used something called the judas coin which was a, a coin that was believed to have been passed down one of the silver 30 pieces of silver that was used to betray yeshua jesus um at um by judas and those 30 pieces of silver, when he cast them back at the feet of the Pharisees, they said, we're not going to use any of this for the temple. Let's buy a field of blood. And they would bury 
very poor and lepers and, and outcasts in that field. Well, those 30 pieces of silver that were used for betrayal have been used by these occult societies, by these oath-keeping societies in ritual magic in order to try to manifest a titan that every one of them they believed had a titan associated with it. A titan is like one of the, the locked up fallen angels that, that descended in the days of Jared and, and intermingled with women and taught sorceries, divination, and many of this uh, secret heavenly wisdoms or knowledge to mankind that led to so much of the destruction and hybridization, genetic engineering of mankind and the base society. This is like Enochian magic. They used that coin. They touched it to gold. And this is written about in, in uh, the public histories of the Reynolds family. Uh, it's called the Gilded Leaf, if any of you have any interest in reading it. Uh, one of the, the family members that is a direct descendant of R.J. Reynolds, where the tobacco company, like you guys thinking about Camel Cigarettes or the Aluminum Reynolds family, Reynolds Wrap is much more commonly euphemism for it. But the book is called The Gilded Leaf by Patrick Reynolds. And he even talks about it in there. They call it the Joshua coin. Uh, in there because they, a family member, a descendant son has to have the name Joshua ascribed in their name, which is a ploy to Yeshua, a more English way of saying that the name of the Messiah. That is a way that they use that. And when they would touch that to gold, they would ha they would have this manifestation of it, but there would always be death. Death and tragedy would follow wherever this empire went through. And so this is where aluminum and the reduction of bauxite and phosphorus and where they, they extracted aluminum has caused so many of the ailments that, that people are suffering from, whether it's the hydrofluorosilicic acid that's put into our drinking water to dumb us down and stupefy us, or whether it's being, being dumped on us so that we breathe it in and, and are just inundated with aluminum and Tums and pharmaceuticals. I mean, the Reynolds family became this massive titan of an empire from the, the nicotine delivery systems as well as through the aluminum uses and its various agricultural products. They, the predominant use in, of Reynolds products today and nicotinides in something called neonicotinoids, which are used as systemic toxic chemicals that are absorbed through plants and agriculture like the citrus industry so that anything that bites it or tries to attack the plant will die within two seconds. So any non-organic oranges that you're eating at the store, literally, if you take that orange juice out and test it for nicotine, it's going to come up positive. You can have as much as a package of cigarettes and a gallon and a glass of orange juice in there when it comes to the nicotine effects that are inside there. So they also began to buy up the food industry. And so they went through the biggest merger in business history in the United States uh, when they bought up Nabisco Foods, which is today about one sixth of all food that's in the United States that's being distributed or even North America is through Nabisco Foods. And so that's kind of the areas that they have engineered and put their wealth into in Alcoa, aluminum and metal groups. And they began to diversify their family wealth and their assets. Whereas my family um, and the family line that I come from, we were kind of like the ones that dealt with the black gold, the dirty money, the, uh, the black operation style budget for the Reynolds family and for many of these other families that uh, were a part of this. Okay, and then um, let's talk a little bit more about that that side of it. Like, and then like, how old were you um, when? I mean, you mentioned young age with the great grandfathers and the grandfathers, which sounds like it was almost ritualistic that it had to be them, you know. That um, you know, uh, uh, you know, physically assaulted you and stuff like that, but. Um, like when did uh, you start getting into the like condition for the black uh, uh, ops or whatever in the family? You, you know, a lot of that started when I was six years old and they did this mock ritual of a like a crucifixion of a man that that kind of looked like a textbook version of Jesus. And this is like to traumatize a child so that they would never like maybe go to the church or go to go to pastors or priests or anybody to try to get help or healing that they would be 
fearful and they, they use a lot of invocation of, of the, of the Bible reading of the Bible as a form of trauma while they're abusing people. And I was brought in to like kill this, this man, just like stab him while he was on this, this uh, like cross, like thing, you know, this like this horrible, horrible scene. And I got like, they do this ritual and they invoke, they call up this spirit of death, like an actual entity, like a being that holds the souls of men. And you, tr you they, they trade your soul. You do a soul contract and that you would go into this relationship with them and you're going to be a soul worker and a, and a, a reaper for the rest of your life. And when you die, he's going to have access to your soul. That's kind of this covenantal arrangement. And so that grooming for violence and revenge and that outlet for me to like fight back started right there. And, and that training and experience of, of learning how to use a strangulation cord, learning how to use poisons and planting evidence and infiltrating and sneaking in all of that began to grow and cultivate from that age on. And my family would travel me around the country to meet with various people that had like an expertise in infiltration. Like they had a, a, a farm up in Michigan in Southern Michigan where they trained attack dogs, like very, very um, proficient attack dogs and guard dogs and sentinels for properties. And so they would bring us up there during the summer and teach us how to use, use our skill sets or try to develop them to be able to get past these dogs and be able to try to get and fight around them. And so I was passed through a lot of these different places around the country. My family had a, a massive estate up in uh, Rochester, New York under the Hamilton family. And they had all these sensors and alarms for security. And my, my uncle at that time was a uh, former New York city, uh, police officer who would, was training me on how to use different mechanisms to get past the security. And uh, the neighbors at that time were um, the Clintons. They had a, one of their private houses that was up there. And so Secret Service was there on the property. And part of the training was to try to learn how to get past Secret Service. And I went through all of this different kind of forced training schisms to try to, to breed me into this soldier of revenge, this soldier of fortune for the family. And this got more deeply ingrained in me. And I began to go out and kill and enforce these oaths and cutting out the tongues of these people that spoke the secrets. The Jesuits have a very deep obsession with, with enforcing their oaths. And they are um, adamant that people that break their oaths, they cut their fingers off, they cut their tongues out, they cut their intestines out. And, and they would kind of convince me or groom me to believe that the target I was going after was a pedophile, was somebody that was covering up these crimes, was collaborating to traffic other children around. And so I would go out with, with this rage and this like unleashing of myself upon these people and try to try to finally have freedom through the edge of a knife or through the end of a, of a needle. And that was where I was finally released. And it wasn't until I got up into my teenage years that my family began to to put me into the military circles at the United States Air Force Academy and and uh, at Fort Carson, Colorado, where I became emancipated to the United States government as a junior in high school. They have something called a delayed entry program for 17-year-olds, people that aren't 18 yet, to join up. And I began to operate under these uh, special access projects at Fort Knox, Kentucky and Fort Lee, Virginia, and start to work with their special kill teams, or, which are wet workers for the United States military who kill through surgical strikes. They, they kill American citizens or they kill dissidents and uh, state assets, people that are like uh, under diplomatic immunity and stuff like that. So I got caught up in that world until I was 19 years old. Gotcha. Wow. And like, I mean, they start, like you said, they started you as a kid. And I mean, you know, most people, they see a child, that's the last thing they're going to uh, mm. suspect that you know, you're coming to kill anybody, you know? So, um, what, a what a ploy you also mentioned the, um, with the, with the, the secret religions, like the serpent people, um, 
And when you were t- telling that story, I, I was thinking, well, man, we got the serpent mounds here in Ohio, mm-hmm. in Southern Ohio. And uh, so that gives that a whole new reason for me to, to look at that. Like what, what else is being done there? What I've been told it's, you know, it's all Indian land and, and, and stuff like that. But then I was also thinking of uh, Tulsa doom from the Conan movie, how he turned into the serpent uh, and, and, and how, you know, sometimes Hollywood will kind of tell you, you know, little things that sprinkle in some truth with, with the fiction. I'm wondering if they were talking about the serpent religions, you know, or trying to tell us about that in, in, in the Conan, the barbarian movie, but I, I, my head goes all over the place. So I know I'm getting off, (laughs) off track there a little bit, but, uh, so you, you, you're trained as a, as a child, you're, you're to, to kill, uh, the people that broke the oath, they're telling you, you know, that these people are trafficking children and pedophiles, but, you know, uh, part of your childhood was being the victim of pedophilia mm-hmm. and incest. So is that to, to get that rage focused on mm-hmm. that? Or uh, like also, I mean, you're, you were a product of that and then you're being sent off to to kill that. I guess that's just part of the, the mind uh, ritual or whatever. I mean, it's, it's essentially the basis of the of mind control at the end of the day, this is their psychological operations to, to shatter your resistance to ever in the beginning. It's all about shattering your resistance, shattering your destabilizing you and disintegrating you. And this is, this is a scientific method in which this is done. But the, the families like the, these people talk about the Illuminati or these bloodline family members. These, this is like what generational incest-based families do. They, they condition the child at the very earliest ages, at the most formative years of their experiences. And this is also something, there's a very scientific version of this that's done through like this network and a lot of that, that information from that. A lot of the, um, the, the, the powerful families and the rulers have utilized this form of childhood trauma, abuse, and, and manipulation and the shattering of the mind and the intentional creation of sub-personalities. We would use these words like dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder today, but it goes all the way back to the Book of the Dead and these Egyptian um, magic and sorcerers, these people that were like um, Balaam and Janus and Jambre and these, these people that were practicing and trafficking in this, this ancient knowledge of how to split the mind at an early age and start to imbue spiritual powers and components into different compartments of the mind. It's a way of like in the midst of a lot of these vampires and these people that could go without sleep and that, that were drinking of blood and the consumption of human flesh. It's because these are ways of, of hacking the human body of the, of a person in order to extend your, your normal, normal abilities. Like down in Lake Havasu, they would that would literally drain out people from their adrenals and from their thalamus and from their amygdala. They would produce these compounds during the course of these traumatizations in order to extract pharmaceutical products that they would sell as a byproduct of this. They would grind up the the desiccated bodies of these victims and use those the bone meal for these uh, this this queen of heaven for the worship of Mary and for this the the literal consumption of the bread and the blood during these uh, ritual masses. And people think they're just going through some kind of like um. I don't know, Catholic rites, and they're not. They're going through something entirely different. They're being defiled actively. The same cups that are being used in those ceremonies are being used in these rituals the night before, and it's just an inutterable system of absolute corruption and and disgusting matters. And 
what happens is for as as they shatter and traumatize the child what they're looking for is they're doing psychological testing they're doing personality testing to find out what are their aptitudes and what are their motivations and what are their um, what are their innate talents and in the earliest stages of this like the 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 nazis and and the 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 right like the the third reich they began to to systematize a scientific method for doing this because they had open human experimentations programs on a scale that had not been available to other nations for a long time. And so the data that came out of like Heinrich Himmler and, and Eichmann and some of these other individuals, like the, the physical data that the scientists had that made them, that literally became their bargaining chip for these occult sciences to be able to be brought over to the United States, also to the Soviet Union, and in, in, in a massive part too that's not talked about, over to Great Britain. And so this is why if you start to follow out where did these mind control cults come from and where did they go, if you start to, to trace back a lot of it, you're going to find wherever those scientists took that knowledge it is where it got brought in. And so this is why there's huge strongholds of these mind control rituals and abuse being done in Great Britain and Canada and Central America or in South America and in Australia, New Zealand, anywhere where the crown, the, the you know, the city of London had their, their fingers as well as where the United States exported it to. So that was like the scientific side of it and component of it. But these families have this old religion access to this information and they've been using it for a long time. And so when they identify those talents, they then start to groom them and train them. They bring in what's called a handler. And that's not some kind of like I don't know. I think there's like a version of mind control that people think there's some guy with like a hypnotic cord over your head and doing all this like voodoo magic stuff all the time. They're, they bond you to somebody when you're in a very vulnerable, traumatized state, like after somebody who's in a car accident who loses consciousness, but their body still goes through the event and they can't necessarily remember it. And they come out of that state. They're very vulnerable and you can bond them through through that moment with with somebody that maybe have a totally different agenda in mind that's where the handler really is there's somebody that you're bonded to you think is your friend your ally your 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 dad your mom your grandpa or just somebody they would refer to as an uncle that was like my my military handler uncle richard is what we all called him and he he was a, a dentist in the united states military and so he had access to a lot of drugs and restraints and and would do mind control and and systemized in indoctrination of, of people soldiers for the united states military and he was the one who has really created this program this training program with my family to try to weaponize and create what's called like an X-class assassin. These are people that are specifically used to do uh, espionage, counter espionage and infiltration on targets that are like at a state level. Um, so like ambassadors and, and family members of spies, you know, it's just a bunch of spycraft stuff. And it's just disgusting because they like to use this stuff for snuff films. And it's a bunch of disgusting ritual magic that they're doing, but they're doing it under a scientific guise of like, oh, we're heroes, we're saving the country. And we're fighting for the better interests of it. But even when I got into the United States military, they were trafficking people at Shriver Air Force Base and they were doing the exact same kind of stuff. They were trafficking people and drugs on a much bigger scale than anything I saw when I was dealing with the with the Vatican and the Roman Empire. Like they were just as guilty and culpable of this and had their own ways of trying to cover it up and conceal it under this guise of patriotism. And ultimately at the end of the day, it crushed my hopes of ever seeing like freedom and justice and kind of the gods of of heroes that we worship as our soldiers. They all died for me, you know, at a, at a, at like 18 years old. I, I saw behind the scenes of the special operations group was a bunch of perverters of justice. And it, it, it was the death of my idol, you know, and it was the death of my uh, hope for having a purpose for this life. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, just one of the most recent, I guess that, that kind of brings to light some of that, like a lot of the stuff that's been going on at Fort hood, you know, um, that's been over, you know, that's been uncovered, you know, with, uh, female soldiers disappearing or, you know, uh, uh, 
some of the other uh, stuff that's been going on down there makes me think about that. And it goes way back to, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he was part of the Temple of Set. He was, uh, you know, came from Anton LaVey's Church of Satan, and he was like a, a major colonel or something like that in the army. Michael Aquino. Aquino, yeah, out Michael in the Presidio. Aquino. And yes. what he was doing there with the, the kids on the on the uh um on the base there in the child care or whatever that yeah. they were getting caught. I mean, it's just you know, it's like I, I mean I served, you know, I did I, I did 20 years and it's like, you know, I'm proud of my service. We got Veterans Day coming up. We uh you know, a lot of us uh you know, we go in for the right reasons, but then you find out, you know, these different layers of com uh, compartmentalization, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. The more I uncover and uh, unravel on this, this journey, the layers of the onion, it makes you sit back and think, man, what, who, what cause was I really, you know, a part of? Yeah. And I never, um, I never want to detract from individuals, you know, their service, like you said, you, you're proud of your service. And I totally understand and respect that there's, there's a lot of things I did in the military that I'm absolutely proud of and other people that I was with. But I also, I saw that other layer of it that, that skewed it, you know, they killed my best friend, my battle buddy, Grimmel, you know, because I shared a room with him and was screaming out stuff at night and sharing information on operations that I was doing with him because I was, I mean, I was dying, you know, I was dying inside and I was, I was experiencing what I thought was finally going to be the, the the special kill team that I'd like dreamed of, of having assets and, and Intel team. And I thought I finally had a people that were going to help me be able to just go effectively dismantle these pedophile rings, especially out in Alexandria, Virginia. I really, there's a lot of, there's a hub for it in the district of Columbia. And there's this network that spawns out of, out of Virginia in particularity that I had been wanting to hunt down for a long time. And, and so when I finally thought I was going to get released to do that, I saw that they were just as quick to destroy all of us. They literally turned on, on teammates of mine and killed them. They sent other assassins after us and said, you know, like, Oh, he's gone rogue. They came up with all this propaganda and stuff against us. And so just as quickly as they create us, they would destroy us and they would send one of us after somebody else who we would think, you know, Oh, this is another trafficker. This is another pedophile, just like the others. And what you find out as you infiltrate it is that this is another one of our agents who is deep cover and yet they're having us kill him because he found out information that they don't want coming to the light and at the end of the day i would be infiltrating some of these estates where people are engaging in this ritual black sex magic this crowleyan sex magic and they're doing the very thing with all kinds of people in the room and that they're only letting us extract or bring out one person and so they can put one of their guys in his place and it's just this constant game of these disgusting compromisers people that are willing to climb this inverted pyramid up to try to be in the at the feet of pharaoh at the end of the day they're just as willing to to do whatever it takes to get to the top and and this is at the heart of it like why morality has been bred systemically bred out of the united states military not in every area but in many of the layers of 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 the the core tenets of who has the power and the control in our in our culture and in our society, whether it's the political, the military, or the judiciary side, they systemically breed out people who say, I do not consent to that, that I will not go along with that agenda. And that's the the tough side of it is I, I talk to a lot of soldiers, I talk to a lot of veterans, I talk to active duty officers who are who are high ranking. And at the end of the day, I don't, I don't and many of them are fantastic people who work very, very hard. They, they, the military has provided them sustenance for their family. It's provided them a form of stability and training and leadership that they really needed to change their lives in a positive and beneficial direction. 
that's not the kind of people I'm talking about. The areas of major concern are the ones that is in that compartmentalized arena. And so much of that in our country, the United States now has gone into the defensive contracting side of it. It's gone into a very different people like the founder of Blackwater, the Knights of, of, of Malta, founder of Blackwater, like so many of the Jesuits and, and the, the Holy Roman Empire has infiltrated our military and created many of the echelons of the military contractor groups and then many of our, our operational secret services. You know, the, the clandestine operative groups are, are just extensions of that same disgusting, pe like pedophile cult that's out there. There's a great book for any of you that, any of you that actually want to like examine history and, and want some veracity of some of the things I'm talking about. Johnny Cerucci is like a forensic historian who put together these incredible books. This is one of the best ones I can recommend. It's called the Illuminati Unmasked. And uh, it deals with everything you need to know about the new world order, like what's on your shirt right there, sir, and how we will beat it. This is, oh yeah, dude, he's got it. Ready to rock, bro, read it. I mean it, read it. Yeah, with yeah, I've read it already. Oh, you have, man. You see, it, yeah, see. Yeah, a long time ago. I got. I do need to do a refresher. Well, if you want to do a refresher, do this one. This is an even better one, which is called The Eaters of Children, The Pedocracy Exposed. How access to power is granted through the rape, torture, and ritualistic slaughter of the innocent. This one is absolutely excruciating to read. I'll be super transparent with you, especially if you have any semblance of, of abuse in your background. However, it's very insightful to understand how power is utilized through compromise and how that compromise has been the mo the modicum of control for so long in this society and it's not something that's new it's an ancient hate it's an ancient hate for innocence there is a radical intelligent evil that stalks people in the darkness and is looking for ways to ruin the righteous ruin those that have a, any kind of hope or faith or courage or conviction and this is the way they systemically breathe that out johnny cerucci does a fantastic job of breaking that down without any uh, punches pulled i'll say that much yeah yeah i i uh definitely need to reread uh that book and then uh order that that second one that you just showed uh mark dice was another one that i got into i used to read some a lot of his his books uh but um you'd mentioned too like i know for some of my uh you know i wasn't in any of the you know the um i, I was just a uh, average guy in the navy i worked with an assault craft unit at first i worked on f-14s you know um but you know i was it, witnessed some deaths and 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 things and 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 struggle with my own trauma and uh ptsd from my time in and part of my healing um journey since i've been out I, I would do um, hypnotherapy. Hmm. I would get hypnotherapy done, and I was part of this this group that would meet for a retreat. And it really it helped me quite a bit, you know, uh, because through trauma we compartmentalize things or bury certain things, you know, that we don't want we want to we don't want to deal with, don't want to think about. But you know, the body keeps the score, and eventually it starts working its way out. And, you know, I had, a, I had a long history of drug and alcohol addiction. You know, I'm 14 years sober now. Wow. Uh, you know, I got sober around the same time I got saved when I got out. But um, what they would talk about, you know, the power of the mind and our subconscious mind. And they'd also talk about some of these were, were professional therapists that would teach us these skills and do we would do on ourselves as part of our healing or whatever it have done to us. You talk about uh, some of the SRAs that they dealt with, satanic ritual abuse. 
you know, and, and it was like one of the first times where, where I heard it being discussed, you know, as a thing, you know, back in the day, there was the satanic panic and everybody right away would just like bury it mm -hmm. like conspiracy theorists, conspiracies, mm -hmm. you know, all oh, that stuff doesn't exist. That doesn't happen. But these, these groups had dealt with, you know, uh, helping people that had split, you know, from, from this trauma. Um, so it made it more of a reality, you know, for me um during that so that's when i started more going down these rabbit holes and investigating and that's where i heard your story obviously on sgt report but uh as as you were along in your your uh you know this as you were along in your journey and especially in the military and stuff when was the turning point for you that you knew okay this isn't this isn't you know, when was that, that, that wake up? When did you start finding yourself and, and pulling away? Hmm. The, uh, in the summer of 2008, I was at a, a station at Fort Lee, Virginia, but I was, I would go off on different operations. And one of them, I was taken down to Fort Bragg, um, North Carolina, which is kind of the home of, uh, the joint special operations group, the CAG and combat action teams and, and, uh, some of the tier two and tier one operators for the United States, uh, army in particularity. And, um, they have like a, a an underground area that's more in like the civilian when you go on a United, I don't know. Well, you, you've been on Navy bases, you've been on all kinds of military bases. You, so it's like, there's a lot of them are basically like 1950s holdovers from when, uh, the cold war was running. And so underneath the, the vast majority of them, they built uh, underground centers, like uh, control centers, in order to be able to operate in the continuity of government during a nuclear strike, a nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union at the time. And in one of those areas that, that was down beneath a housing district in, on uh, Fort Bragg, I got brought in to, to do what was called a weapons test. And a lot of those weapon tests are just are combatives, combative testings and proof of concept. You want to find out whether the combatives programming system that one group is using is more effective than the other. But I was brought in to try to fight another asset, another agent who was uh, working um, for them at the time. And uh, I ended up fighting this guy and, and was forced to fight him to the death. And it, it, uh, sh it, it, it shattered me in my like, um, it killed the illusion that there was something better inside this, this special forces that I thought it made me realize that the leader who was over it, a three-star general at the time, um, had had a completely ulterior motive in mind. And he was utilizing soldiers to, to just brutalize and destroy other soldiers. And it just killed me. They call them blue falcons. You know what that means. You know, it's like guys who kill other soldiers. And it, you, you, it just destroys your morale. It destroys you. It destroys your, your hope and your, your identity. Because you just realize at the end of the day, you're the guy who's screwing over your buddies. Like, I, I don't know how many people were left as orphans or fatherless, you know, and you get tired of it. And I was really tired of it at that point because I knew this man at the end of the day was just like me, who is very likely raised in a very abusive lifestyle like me. That's like, that's why they choose when they, they want to recruit somebody outside of one of the family lines, you know, they're going to go look for traumatized, sexually abused children. Like my family, when they want to groom somebody else to be like another asset for them, my, like currently my, my family today that like I wrote this book, published it and came out against them in every way because they were continuing on with another generation. I went to them and tried to offer them forgiveness and like, listen, like we, I wanted, I wanted a restoration 
And because like you said, like I had a powerful encounter with the Messiah that changed me forever. And I realized like forgiveness for me was the key that was going to unlock this door because there was so much bitterness. There was so much bitterness by that point in my life, you know, like I, I, I unleashed that and I threatened to kill this general in front of a bunch of other people. He was playing clothes. He wasn't in his uniform. I didn't know exactly who he was. I found out later and he kicked me out of the unit. He stripped me of everything. He, he, he blackballed me in like a serious way. He sent he sent he sent people after me to destroy me, and I mean they shoved me on so many drugs and put me in these neurolinguistic programming. They they have centers for assets out of containment, which is what else classified as somebody that had had lost the ability to obey orders, and they 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 chemically castrated me. They ruined me. They took my mind and my sanity from me, and they took it from my the other guys that were on my team. And within literally a matter of months of that moment, you know, all of them were either suicided or dead by their own hands or the hands of others. And this is this Omega programming that they put into their killers. This is why all these guys who are their, their loose gunmen come from something called Project Orion, which is a mind control program to raise up assassination. Well, school shooters at one side of it, mass shooters, people that will go in and just cause carnage and mayhem and, and death. And at the end of it, they always kill themselves. And this is by design. It's the first thing of programming when they split the brain that they put in there is their way out, is a way of either suicide pills or they're going to be strangulation cords. And and uh, if they have a firearm, they're going to shoot it. And this is what happened with James Holmes, the uh, Batman killer in Aurora, the Aurora theater shooting. He was found at the side of a, a vehicle trying to with a gun, trying to pull the trigger over and over again, trying to kill himself, and he wasn't able to do so. And that disrupted their plans. He was an incredibly brilliant guy who was a, a neuroscientist, um, literally like a neuroscientist, and brilliant, brilliant guy. And his counselor, therapist, was the former head of the psychiatric unit for the Central Intelligence Agency, the home of the mind control in that regard, the Catholic Intelligence Agency. And these, this is this washout program. Once, once did you go through that, man, they just look and find ways to try to suicide you out of it. And this is why people say, quote, the statistic of 22 soldiers killing themselves every single day. And it's not, not even remotely close to the accurate true reporting. That study didn't even consider or evaluate Texas and California, the two highest population densities of soldiers in the United States. Those numbers are way closer to 40 to 90 soldiers a day that are murdering themselves by design. This is what the Veterans Affairs is established to do is to kill off our soldiers and our veterans as effectively and efficiently as possible. It is not in your better interest to go have your checkups and all the other versions of that. Their computer is literally looking for people that dissidents that they need to kill off. And they have a very systematized, regimented way of doing that. And Fort Carson, Colorado had a traumatic brain injury clinic that was run by a, a lieutenant colonel named Terrio that that's all they did. They washed out soldiers and they, they killed them or they had them kill themselves um, continually. And it was like the majority of them that went in there killed themselves within a few months. And so that was really the death of all of that. You know, I was a shattered shell of a man by the time I was out and got my DD-214 in, I think, March or April of 2019 and was going to University of Colorado at Boulder trying to study psychology and was a shell of a person. I couldn't walk or function right. I'd, I had lost all of my memory, like short-term memory, and I, I had to have note cards telling me to to shower and bathe, and like I was like a, walking with a cane. I was completely disabled. Like I was an absolute train wreck, and my hair was falling out, and I, uh, I was dying. You know, I was a walking dead. Everything I'd hoped for was gone, and I was just completely they were drugging me to death and so eventually i started going to a church that had a uh like a 12-step recovery program that was called shift and it was at fort fort uh what's called uh man Flatirons community church and it was in lafayette colorado and they had this program called shift that was really had a an actual love for the broken you know like it had a real love for the broken and that was i was at my worst like i was wearing a heart halter monitor because i was waking up with bruises on my over my heart from my heart going up to 200 beats a minute like i was dying and these people welcomed me with like genuine love, like open arms and let me 
be, be not okay. And uh, it started to, it began to wear on me and show me the love of the people through the body of the Messiah in a powerful and unique way. And that's really where a lot of the turning point began to take place in my life. And I began to see people as a, in a much more hopeful way. And it was, um, well, wow. First, you know, I, obviously very similar or very different, you know, backgrounds we come from and very, very different, uh, service we had, you know, in, in the military, but a lot of, uh, similarities to, to your journey and your story you were just sharing, like, I had to realize too, like when I first was going to the, the VA, you know, I was just getting over-medicated, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, then that was leading to other side effects and other, I found the majority of my healing and my journey outside. Like yeah. I said, with the hypnotherapy was outside, I've done things like float tanks and, um, you know, cryo and, you know, more natural ways. But I also found my recovery in a, uh, Christian 12 step recovery, uh, church um that uh like you said accepted me for the mess i was i mean i was that that sailor that you know didn't think anything of it to go to the red light district and have sex with hookers and not you know now this time later looking back i was probably a customer contributor to trafficking Mm. you know uh unintentionally but um, the drinking and the drugging and the, uh, the numb, it was distraction for me. It was yeah. numbing my trauma. It was a distraction and either through sex or alcohol and drugs. But, you know, I got out, I was, uh, you know, about to lose my, my, my children going through separation with their mother. And after my last deployment and I knew that was my bottom, I wasn't going to lose my, my kids. My kids were actually the first time I actually, you know, felt like I actually truly loved somebody else. Cause I always seemed felt like I was very selfish and self-centered and just going out for pleasure for myself, you know? And, but it was a Christian recovery group that started my journey. And it also was like, as I was sobering up, realizing, you know, pharmaceuticals and everything, the VA, they, that they'll train us up to go break stuff or, you know, mm-hmm. hurt, and maim others but when we come back broken and and maimed they they have a long way to go of trying to put money towards really truly healing us and like you yeah. said it's like they're using these assets to um just you know they we end up either killing ourselves and some of the other ones that are in the higher um i guess the the special ops and stuff like you were talking about they don't want them getting out and talking about this stuff and he also had me thinking too with that that programming, how they set them up, school shooters, uh, movie theater shooters, anything that's helping push the current narrative because they want yeah. us all disarmed. They don't want America to be able to defend them. They don't want the people, the peasants, you know, being able to defend themselves against the 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 whatever the ruling class is pushing for us. So why not, uh, you know? use the false use them for false flags and and stuff within the uh but uh yeah very similar kind of healing journey and coming to you know just being broken and and coming to christ and and and, you know now i you know still working my program or every day i i turn my will and my life over you know when i start my day it's like god your will not mine um 
to get out there. And it's, you know, I felt this calling to share messages, to share stories of hope for others. I have a lot of veterans on, on this program and um, to share some of what they've done to heal. But uh, I want to get back to your story. Like, so you found that place and what was it like? You said you wanted to forgive your family, um, but they're still continuing. What has it been like breaking free from that? And then as you also already mentioned, there's uh, any of the people that do leave and talk about it are on, you know, they're sending people after them to cut yeah. off their tongues. Just to, you're, you're, you're currently betraying your oath, correct? You know, on, on one side of it, I didn't, I was not into the oath. I was not into the oaths in the same way that they all were. You know, I was like a, I didn't have an intent and desire to, to, to join. You know, I was not, I didn't have a motivation in that way. And as much as they manipulated me, I, I recorded and documented people's oaths, but I was not somebody that was swearing their oaths, the secrecy oaths and things in the military. I said everything they ever asked for. You know, I was, to me, I was all in for everything they thought because by the, by th that to me was like a new a new horizon that I believed in. Whereas I did not believe in what they were doing. I had a absolute hatred, absolute hatred at the core tenet of my being to these oath keepers because I, I, what I saw was like a doctrine of hypocrisy at the, at the most explicit, horrible level, people that were, that were designing and orchestrating the desecration of innocence and then turning around and acting like they were uh, holier than thou it was it was a great death of of any version of religion in that sense that i had but my family i was also raised my my parents directly raised us in like a christian house that was uh, on all for all intents and purposes very normal looking so it gave me a, a very different lens oh there was one thing i did i'll circle back to that in a second but you said something about the shooters and uh, people that are used uh, earlier that i did want to mention because i saw this there was a case that just took place recently on uh, saturday um gosh I just those of you that are watching this beginning of November, um, those are the very end of October where they had a, a guy who was discovered Saturday morning outside of an amusement park in a, inside of an amusement park in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, one that um, I've been to with my wife as well. I'm from Colorado uh, for a few years in my life or about half my life. I lived in Colorado and Glenwood Springs had a what they supposed was going to be an active shooter. A guy was found dead in a bathroom just in tactical gear with body armor. And uh, and at the time they said, you know, and rifles with ammunition and pistols with ammunition and fake guns and ghost guns, all these trigger words that they're starting to throw in there and IEDs and explosive homemade explosive devices. Of course, this is all not substantiable in any type of capacity, but it's what's being represented and being used to foment all kinds of ideologies and doctrinal drives in different directions. But when I hear something like that, y'all, I'll be honest, a lot of why I wrote my book and why I'm even out here talking is to try to help those guys and those gals who are under that mind control, who are being, who have been used their entire life to foment and and to steer narratives in so many varieties of directions and that omega programming if that's what took place there where the guy killed himself actually or if they just killed him and dumped his body in there to try to set this whole stage for everything else but anytime you see anything like this y'all i'd really strongly encourage you don't don't follow that problem reaction solution that hegelian dialectic like you were saying because yeah. there's a person behind that there's like a human being like a like a dad or a mom a brother a sister an uncle like a real person 
real person. It's an absolute tragedy and you have no idea of the circumstances that have gone on in that person's lives and the version of it that they're going to represent could have just as easily been mine. The, 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 the lifestyle that so many of these people are raised in is, is structured slavery from the day of their birth onward. You start, you don't start with this kind of pro projecting late in life. You start early as soon as possible. And this is like where the Jason programs and the Jason groups come in as well, where they, they groom and select these children from something called the personality test that's utilized from infancy from like birth is something called the, uh, Stanford research. It comes out of the Stanford research Institute, but the Stanford Binet, um, personality examination and, and IQ test is used even at very early ages. And so that time, I'm like, I just, I went through something so similar as to what that sounds like that guy just went through. And, and I just, it, it, it makes me groan and grieve, you know, hearing stuff like that because I, I have a totally different empathy. Some of the few people I have a deep empathy and a love for is, is those wounded ones. I know there's, there's millions of guys and gals who have been programmed to be sleeper cell assassins who literally have no idea. They are not co-conscious of it. They don't know anything about it. They wake up in the middle of the night and do stuff and they have no recollection of it in the morning. They will wake up and find blood under their fingernails and they don't know where it came from, that there's chunks of people inside their car and they don't know where it came from. And it's the most terrifying, disgustingly frustrating and, and, and I mean, it's awful. It's an awful lifestyle and it's glamorized in versions of it in Hollywood and films that they show to people, but it's, it's horrible. Like I became an absolute stranger. My family wanted to bring me back online after I got married to Chelsea because I started finding love and support after I met my wife through that church. And I started finding like real love, like a, a version of actual unconditional love that I'd never actually experienced from an outsider, you know, somebody that didn't have a duplicitous reason for grooming me. And it took me years into our marriage, but over the, during that time, like my family started trying to bring me back to be a profit making mechanism for them because it takes a while to, to groom and program another generation. And so they start by adopting children through the foster care system that have been sexually traumatized and abused. They like to get children of victims of, of child sex, porn and exploitation, or they go and and take prisoners, children from them uh, that give birth to them. And they start with like new stock. And that's why my family was like working on a whole project of that, but they were broke. They were running out of money. And so they started trying to bring me in to do, to do assassinations for them again. And they brought out this whole other personality of mine to the front that they had never let be at the front in order to try to stop this. And I was started, I became a totally different person, different name, different aliases, different identities, like everywhere, clothing, hat, body armor, pistols, firearms, razor blades in my, inside the layers of my shoes, like wholly different kind of person took over. And my wife woke up next to a stranger. And I woke up next to a stranger too. I didn't know, I didn't have any emotional connection to this, this woman that I was married to. None of my friends mattered to me. I didn't know who any of these people really were. Theoretically, I saw their faces and understood they should mean something to me. But I, I woke up no longer the man that I had been for 27 years, you know, 25 years. And I was stuck in the midst of this lifestyle where I wanted to just go out and start hunting down and, and killing and assassinating these pedophiles in Boulder, Colorado and in Denver. And I started building dossiers and lists and making caches out in the forest and building a safe house network and trying to do what I'd always done in that, that military side of me, but confined into uh, a marriage like in a, in faith and a church and all these other factors that I never had before. And it began to really become more and more unsettling to me. And until I got to a place where I realized I, I have to either tell my wife about my past because up until this point I hadn't, and she was starting to see so much of this other person and our, we were, our marriage, marriage was disintegrating, you know, like I was going to lose her because I was, I was not that same man. And, in uh, Part of like the abuse that was done to me early on is something they call the castrati in uh, the 
the Roman Catholic Church would would castrate boys in order to preserve their prepubescent looks and their voice, so that they would sing in choirs and be able to give pleasure sex to the popes and to the cardinals and the bishops. And this has been something that he used to do by the thousands every single year. And this has been going on, still does occur today in the Catholic Church all over the place. They've never apologized for it ever, even though victims of this have come forward. And anyways, they crush your epididymis as, as one way of doing it, so that because otherwise you risk a lot of people bleeding out. So they crush your epididymis and. So I, we couldn't get pregnant. You know, I was made to be a eunuch so I could participate in these scenes. And my growth was stunted until I was 17 years old. And um, I ended up having a surgery done in uh, Denver, Colorado to try to reverse that. And when it was successful, my wife, you know, she got pregnant. I really believe the father opened her womb at the end of the day as well and gave me the opportunity to have a child. And, and I now had a choice. Do I take my daughter, my child that was in my wife's womb, and do I pass her off to my family so I can have the trust fund? Because that's how it works. At the end of the day, there's legal guardianship over this, this financial empire and over the phone book of favors is directed out and dispensed out when you give you legally agree to give guardianship and custodianship of your child over to them for different amounts of time, depending on how much wealth or access you want. And I just that's where it all broke down for me. At the end of the day, I could I could not let her suffer that. And as far as it was unto me, I was willing to do whatever it took to try to fight back and resist that. And seeking deliverance, capital D deliverance, was like chief among all of those things. And Dr. Michael Lake and Mary Lou, they wrote uh, this book, The Shinar Directive. This was one of those really critical tools to help me in uh, understanding that there was, there was a whole other generation of righteous men who were rising up that were exposing the darkness, that were still alive and fighting the good fight, that were, that were trying to intercede and deliver people like Russ Dizdar. And, uh, I, I knew that I could try to find forgiveness and find freedom. And so I went, uh, to a conference in Dallas, Texas, where I laid on my face and cried out for healing after Russ Dizdar spoke and a man named Tom Dunn, who was working on a film, it's called Detestable. For those of you that want to watch a absolutely brutal, but authentic documentary about satanic ritual abuse and people that are survivors of this stuff, this is called Detestable. You can see it at throughtheblack.com. That's their, uh, He's got a Through the Black 2 is his YouTube channel. And anyways, I highly recommend that one for those of you that want to talk about this a bit more. But he was he was working on this film at the time and he just laid on his face next to me while I came undone and cried hysterically with my four-month pregnant wife for deliverance and healing. And that's really when I was this tree of pain and sorrow and depression and anxiety and torture and trauma and amnesia was ripped out of me. And it started me onto a, I mean, the floodgates were open and then it was kind of like the war was on. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you know, you to to maintain, I guess, the family trust fund and access, you know, you would have to submit your daughter to the same thing that your family submitted you to for that very same reason. And uh, it's amazing what just becoming a father, you know, especially, uh, I don't know, for me, you know, I, I have two daughters and just how much that changed my heart or began the, the change of my, my heart. Um, and, um, you know, so that was, you have this history, you open up to your wife, you share, um, everything that, uh, and, and she, and obviously has stayed by you. Mm -hmm. Um, what have you done? I know when I first like came to Christ, there's like, they have you kind of like do a uh, renounce a bunch of things from your past, but what was your like uh, ultimate like cleansing and how do you feel like, um, I mean, you're completely free from 
that subconscious, any kind of trigger or whatever, are you, or do you ever fear that that, that something could be reactivated? You know, I don't, well, just two parts to that. First of all, I don't, I'm not like completely free and healed. You know what I mean? Like I, I have been for seven years now, this is like seven, almost eight years that I've been really committed to trying to heal and get restoration and rest and deliverance. And I continue to seek that out, but I'll say this, like there is a lot about child rearing that, that is very triggering and destabilizing at times. And I think that's a baseline for most parents of how much of yourself that's going to die and how much of your ideas, your dreams, your hopes, your desires has to lay down in order for you to raise another generation and try to give them a life that you never had. And it's on one side of it, it's very difficult. You know, like the, the sound of baby screaming of children crying was, was so systemically used. Once they identified that was like one of the biggest, um, quickest ways to, to cause me to, to split or dissociate and, caused me to go into that trauma state. So that was utilized on me on such an ongoing and perpetual basis. It wasn't always physically seeing it happening. They sometimes literally just put recordings on of that in a room and, and make you hear these horrible, horrible, unutterable screams. And it would just cause me to shatter. And so raising children, that has been without question, still one of the hardest things like I have sought deliverance and restoration for, but it's still, it's still very, very painful. It's still very raw, you know, and it's like a, a big, um, I mean, it's a weakness. It's a weakness that is that makes childbearing very difficult for me. My wife, we have twin babies right now that it's that's quite rowdy at times in the house, you know. And so that's still an area that's like a an open wound. But but the side of like reactivation and stuff like that, there's there's people that still try to probe into that. Even in my comments, people that send me emails. Back at the time we were living at our in our neighborhood, people, my family in particular, would send lettered envelopes that were different colors from and different cards and note cards with different capitalized words and letter like trigger letters that are that and the, the ultimate goal is what's called return to sender programming where you come back to the cult they want you to just come back to the cult at the end of the day they're like we love you we'll always love you all you got to do is come back to us and and say everything you ever said was a lie and you'll be welcome back in you know and like they just want to weaponize that whole like uh false reconciliation it's a real it's a real mind control freak show when it comes to how they try to bring people back into cults. It's just like pimps trying to get their prostitutes back in under their wing. And it's, it's gross. So that side of it is still tr something that they'll try to probe and utilize, but it doesn't work effectively. And that's because I also have a very devoted diligence to prayer and, and asking the judge of all the earth, the righteous one who, who saved and delivered me to intercede for me on my behalf and to shut that down. The prayers in the back of my book at the, um, let's see. Anyways, the, I have these prayers of of for trauma and fragmentation that that Mary Lou Lake. This book, what witches don't want Christians to know, a highly recommended read for those of you that are curious about all kinds of stuff that I'm talking about. This this is her own a uh, 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 woman, the wife of Dr. Michael Lake. She shares her testimony of growing up in in uh, a more like druidic and witchcraft based family out in the Ozarks of Missouri and uh, Fort Leonard Wood, this mind control base that the United States military, the army uses like crazy to create a bunch of mind controlled slaves. Um, this is her book, but in the back of it, she has these prayers. Uh, she had these prayers for trauma and fragmentation and morning and evening prayers, and those were integral for me in getting deliverance and, and con continuity today of of interceding for the father to be my my hedge of protection and my, my dis the destroyer against my enemies but deliverance from generational curses was a huge component of it and when i was at that conference down in dallas tom dunn praying for me was like a really integral piece of it but i also kind of shelved some of the like healing side of it because it was like really overwhelming but a woman had walked up to me during the conference and handed me this notebook, uh, like a like a printed out papers, 
from this website that did resources. It was called Isaiah54.org. They've since had their website got taken down uh, more recently in the last, I don't know, year or two that I was speaking out about this and promoting their, they have prayers specifically for breaking of generational curses related to Freemasonry. On my website, I have like um, a way of, you guys can read through those prayers as well. But I sat down after like a few weeks of being back in Colorado, I went and read through those renunciations of generational curses that are spoken from these oaths at various degrees within uh, just specifically Freemasonry, which is like, that is what kind of opened the floodgates because I felt like it dealt with the spiritual strongholds that were there, that those other covenants that were over me, the curses that are invoked, why people are about these oaths, even guys that get into, I just had another guy reach out to me who was trying to, to do work for a plumbing association and they had a union that wanted him to swear until his death to, to, to labor and work and meet every meeting. It was like a literal blood oath vow for a labor union, you know, like these, wow. these are serious soul contracts and people will work. People that know better inside those organizations are master manipulators to get people to consent to this, to sign their name and then to announce this publicly through their voice during a ceremony, a ritual is what it's called. Y'all ritual magic is still what runs the world. A Hippocratic oath that most doctors are swearing is literally a pledge of allegiance to this pantheon of gods. If you read the original Hippocratic oath, it is an ideological binding, a soul binding to the gods of Apollo and so many other different deities, other mighty ones that these are who are invoked in order that you can practice this hermeticism, this form of uh, magical working today, this white robe police crest. Not every doctor and, and person is, is spiritually under that necessarily. However, many of you are under that without realizing it. And this is why the renunciation, this word that they use is called repentance, saying, I no longer consent. I no longer agree. I ask that the Father would, would remove every oath and forgive the sins of every oath, vow, covenant, and contract I ever made connecting me or any aspect of my being to the kingdom of darkness. The generational curse is light to three or four generations. When they swear these oaths, they're stealing the generational blessings for three or four generations, and they're going to receive that. And then the curses are placed upon their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. This is why guys or gals that are trying to like live a normal life or try to become righteous, if they're that third or fourth generation, since one of their family members pledged allegiance to these deities, their life goes into turmoil until they come in. So you'll see Masons will start to try to recruit people. You will see Daughters of the Eastern Star trying to recruit specific people because they're getting low at the end of that, that generational curse and they need to refresh it again. And so like praying and renouncing these O's, y'all, almost every person has it within three or four generations, someone in their familial tree who swore these O's. And when you renounce it you literally get a spiritual cleansing a cutting off of that just people that are jacking in and stealing your the energy of life from you and from your family and so i am a huge advocate of people taking time and praying off a breaking of generational curses from that and so that's what's included in the back of my book as well yeah it, you know it reminds me a lot of the you know with some of the people that i've worked with on my uh journey of faith um with the soul ties you know, um, for being, uh, you know, as sexually promiscuous as I was back in the past, you know, and how we, you know, that's supposed to be a sacred act. And, and we're, we're, you know, we're the two flesh become one, you know, like uh, the covenant of marriage and stuff. And and they had me uh, working to remove a lot of the, the soul ties for uh, um, that history that I had, mm -hmm. you know, and. Um, uh, real quick, too, you mentioned uh, Russ Dizdar. Um, I had his book, the 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 Black Awakening. Yeah. Um, that that I uh, 
read and, and I was like looking into him more, found out that he was uh, local here in, in Ohio and I was going to try and get him on, but I, I read that he's no longer with us, mm -hmm. that we lost him too. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that book really spoke a lot about, you know, what you were talking about the, the secret soldiers that don't even realize that they're programmed. And when they get activated, you know, the mass chaos and stuff that, that we're dealing with, but uh, kind of coming back to, to, um, you know, I guess also with the Hippocratic Oath and we just experienced, you know, in 2020, a lot of these, these doctors that were trying to uphold their, their oath, but not really serving, you know, the people by pushing this experiment that everyone was, uh, were consenting to or another, mm -hmm. something else that people should have been like, you know, uh, being non-compliant or complying with yeah. or whatever, you know? Um, but it, since I've been on this journey, seeing everything happening, I, I know spiritual warfare is real and we're mm -hmm. all under so much, so much attack and there's so much to try and get the men, the godly men united to fight for, uh, you know, our families again and fight for, you know, our, our fellow man, it's, uh, we're divided by so much, you know, there's so much that's dividing and distracting everyone. And like, you know, I've still struggle with the flesh, you know, still today, you know, and the, the loss, the ego, the pride, uh, other ways that we're, we're constantly being bombarded and attacked. And that divides us from, from coming together, just reminders of the spiritual warfare. What do you recommend for, uh, any listeners out there that may be waking up and realize that they're in a battle, that we're stuck in a psychological prison. Um, like, what do you recommend? Like, you know, what's your like studying of the Bible and how do you suggest um, new believers or even if they're not believers, you know, people out there start armoring up and we start mm -hmm. reclaiming our, 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 our manhood and righteousness again. Man, I think, fundamental and foundational to all of this is to actually you need to know who your adversary is at the first the first most critical component of every engagement is you need to know your target you need to know who your enemy is you need to know what you're wrestling with and fighting with every single day and night and why 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 is like this where does all this come from where do these other beings like what okay we it's easy for us to find and it's more or less easy for us to find and identify human agents people that are serving these dark agendas what's what's harder for us to identify is because we've been raised in in just this gener just in a few generations mind you this is not how people used to react and understand how the world system worked just a couple generations ago they were much better educated because they were self-taught in so many arenas and they had a deep understanding of what the scripture says now i'm not like i'm not trying to bind people to a specific translation and a version of the scriptures and stuff like that but if you go back to the 1611 king james version of it and you read it with the apocrypha that was included when it was published it was more like 82 books that were included in there and those other books gave you an incredibly particular insight into the mechanics of spiritual warfare that were then taken out of the scriptures later on by the American Bible Society and people in the 1800s. There was a massive shift through the seminaries and the infiltration of a lot of our theological societies to start to take away specific books out of the scriptures in order to change the narrative for a sense so that people didn't have access to the same pertinent information about where the physical and spiritual 
enemies of of this this lifestyle that we're engaged in where do they come from how do they work what are the mechanics of it and so many of those were taken out of there and so one of the better things that, that that helped me along the way was reading some of those, like the book of Jubilees, the book of Jasher, and First Enoch in particularity. First Enoch gives you a lot of insight into that. And and there's also second and third Enoch, which were written by the Enochian magicians and people that are like the sons of Cain. And so you gotta be you gotta be careful in there. But at the end of the day, a firm foundation of understanding is the most critical tool that you can have. And if you've never read the scriptures for yourself from Genesis to Revelation in order, like I, I do that on my channel, like I give away the entire recording of the audio scriptures from Genesis to Revelation in a much more chronological order how it used to be preserved and not the same format that like the NIV or some of these more thought for thought translations that have been thrown out there are utilized to do but by doing that it's going to give you a completely different understanding of how the world actually works and functions and operates because it's the the scriptures is a reliable historical text it's not just some kind of like myths and legends that were kept and preserved like we have textual evidence of these things that by the hundreds of thousands of documents we were able to verify and be able to identify any changes that took place over the course of the chain of custody of who's had these documents, who's had these 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 scripts or manuscripts over the course of time. Whereas even for books like the history of Rome or even like Julius Caesar, like when you try to identify, like how do we know what these people's lives or the histories was? There's handfuls of, of source documents that they build entire histories and narratives from. So whereas the scriptures, we've got a defendable position to be able to, to make with certainty. From one of these books that, I don't have it up here. It's called the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is a great translation for those of you guys that are looking to to read with and verify, hey, how do we know what the Bible says is is accurate or true or consistent over time? That was one of the, the better tools that ever gave me an understanding of that. At 12 years old, I read through the Bible for the first time from Genesis to Revelation, and it gave me an insight, a working knowledge for the mechanics of what I was battling with. It gave me an understanding, like, who is this great red dragon? Like, why, why is it that there are these other spirits that have an agenda, an ancient hatred against mankind that really seek to, to manipulate, to deceive, to coerce, and to compromise? Like, where, where does that come from? And if you don't have any firm rest understanding of the spiritual realm, you're not going to be able to ever really get your teeth around why. And it's that component of it that, that if you miss that, you will never be able to truly connect the dots of who are the agents that are pulling the strings and, and puppeteering our culture and our society and engineering it to such a, a, a finalized image of a beast. Like, why are they so hell-bent on making us like beasts? Why are they genetically manipulating our food and abominating us? They could have, they could have engineered a society in such a positive and beneficial direction, and instead they chose to take it in this incredibly debased, depraved, I mean, animalistic ideology. Why? And it's because there is this anti-Messiah, this other image bearer that's going to come in and, and make himself be like the Christ, be like the anointed one. And yet his, his ideology and his doctrines is the doctrines of this dragon that hates mankind, that utterly dis despises us and is seeking to steal, kill, and devour and, and consume your joy. And yet on the other side of it, there is a kingdom of righteousness that truly has all the power, all the authority, all of the dominion, all the reign, and is waiting for us to turn and call upon him, ask him for his deliverance, ask him for his, his salvation. And that comes through the, the mighty work of the most powerful man that ever lived, the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, as I call him now, the one who came and lived a life of authentic power. He walked out how we can love our father with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. And he showed us how to keep the commandments, this, this weaponization of truth. 
how we could live it out and how we could be zealous and bold and courageous for the truth, how to have a hunger for the word that drives back the forces of darkness, that eagerly contended with the doctrines of demons, that, that upturned tables and drove moneymakers, people that were merchandising the word, people that were manipulating mankind like that great Roman Empire and like the 40,000 denominations that have shattered and scattered the truth across the, the Christendom, this, this, this idea of Christ. Like, there is a format of it that has been so shattered and abominated, but the true core tenets of, of our faith are readily found. Like we can find him. We can know him. He's never lost us. If we call out to him, he will surely send forth his, his mighty messengers, his angels to help and fight on our behalf, to give us hope and courage, to make us indefeatable in the face of innumerable odds. Because at the end of the day, we are outnumbered and outgunned and outfinanced and outflanked on every side. But the good news is that we know the all-present one, the omniscient one who has all power and might and control, the king of the earth is here to fight for us and give us the courage to overcome the cowardice that has just plagued us for so long. And that is why I am so passionate about his kingdom and trying to point people back to his word because if people would have a fear of him and stop having the fear of any man, they wouldn't compromise for so little of a price. They would, they would surrender their sovereignty to the one who gave them life, the one who breathed into them and gave them hope, gave them a future. And he would give them a calling, an identity. Like you said, those things that you were looking for in those relationships with these women, that the thing that you needed was a mission, a mission of eternal importance. You needed a calling. The, at the heart of all addiction is a need to be loved. We all have a need to be loved. The reason we're going to these other places and these other things, like I was drowning my life away in, in drugs of every kind, in, in pornography, in lust, in, in constant manipulation of the chemical senses of my body. Every chance I could, I wanted to never sleep and see anything in my dreams. I just wanted to not see anything when I went to sleep. And so I was a chronic, chronic alcoholic for so long and drug addict and getting into those 12-step programs made a huge difference. And I had a lot of years of sobriety, but I lost my footing during the course of a lot of this. And it took me going and reading the scriptures and getting to the book of Numbers chapter six and reading about this vow that if any man or woman wants to take to be more set apart to, to Yahuwah, to our creator, they can take this vow to abstain from alcohol, from the fruit of the vine, from strong drink, from mind-altering substances, to abstain from, from cutting their hair and from touching dead bodies, from being connected to death anymore. And I believe that's literally why he has that in there. It's like, it's like a, a vow of sobriety. And I believe that's in there for people that want to be clean. They want to be sober. And he wants when you want to be sober-minded because your devil, the adversary, rolls around like this roaring lion. He's like, be sober-minded. And so in order for me to have that, I literally needed a physical reminder I could grab on when I walked into people's houses that I used to drink with. And I needed another tool in my kit to be able to, to try to call upon him for strength, admit my weakness in this area of my flesh. And he, he has given me power to overcome in a way that I never had before. And so that's why I serve him, y'all. That's why I'm passionate about him because I want him to be made great at the end of the day. You know, I... We're, who are we? You know, we're, we're like grass that withers and fades away. I've seen enough death in my life to know that life is very fleeting. And at the end of it, that he is, a, he is the eternal one. And I want, I want people to know him and understand him, not because of some religion's sake, but because his, my relationship with him is literally the source of life for me. Wow. Wow. Amen. I, um, was thinking too, like, you know, I was at a, a 12, 12 and 12 meeting this morning um, a lot of uh, old school AA, but also they're uh, uh, Christian men that uh, you know I lean on. And I was talking today too about um, 
you know, the fear and how, why I would numb out. Cause I was in such stuck in such a fear, fear mode from, you know, childhood abuse and some of the trauma that I experienced in the military and stuff. And, and, and the longer I'm on this journey and sober and seeing things with, with the scales have been removed from my eyes and I'm able to see, you know, things more clearly today. Um, you know, especially the spiritual battle that we're in. I'm also, uh, you know, that time of uncertainty and the time of uncertainty that we're in now that we get bombarded with. If, if you're stuck watching all the propaganda pieces on the, on the, on the, on the TV, you know, to keep us in that fear state. Um, I have the serenity prayer, the power of prayer, mm -hmm. but the serenity prayer just has been, has helped me get through. I just turn it all over. It's like, you know, God, I can't, I can't, but you can, hmm. you know, and um, while everybody else is kind of running around and just willing to, you know, I guess give in or comply because of their fear state, you know, I'm like, I'm going to trust God in this, you know, and uh, it, it's helped. It's helped. It, it's helped, you know, me to see things so much better, but I do need, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, I get up every morning. I do my readings. I, I am reading in the, the New Testament every morning. I do my recovery meetings. You know, turning my will and life over. But there's more that I need to do to um, to share the message, like like you are. You know, and that's why I try and do have uh, interviews like this on on my podcast as well. You know, to try and share that share that message out there with people. But um, you talked about, you know, you mentioned revelations, you know, which I feel, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts with everything going on or that, you know, we're being told, you know, that it's happening, you know, in, in the world today. It sure seems like we are in that, that chapter, you know, mm. we're living in that chapter now. What, what are your thoughts on, on that? Or could some of the powers that be be orchestrating or using that? You know, I think that's a, it's a pretty big question. You know, you know, you know, everything by their fruits of it. And so it's been an area of, of deep study of mine my whole life, because I was always trying to identify, want to identify that who is our, our adversary, you know, and it says in revelation 12, it says the enemy, the dragon, the devil, that serpent of old is defeated by the blood of the lamb, the words of our testimony and not loving our lives when we are faced with death. There's a lot of people who are facing down death in all kinds of places all over this world. And there's places that are highlighted and get lots of media attention. There's lots of other places that have absolutely no coverage of the immeasurable suffering that's taking place on a continual basis, you know, of where people are being destroyed. And I think what is happening over in the Middle East in so many ways is stirred up what a lot of people think are like the prophetic revelations of, of things being fulfilled in front of our eyes. But I'm, I'll be real honest. I'm a lot slower to jump onto that at any given time whenever we see it being fomented and stirred up over there because I've seen such a continuity of manipulation by those, those agents of evil in order to try to drive narratives and control what has been this, uh, 
this doctrine of, you know, fearing this third temple being rebuilt. Like I, I grew up in the era of Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. For those of you that weren't growing up in kind of the Christian community of the world in the 90s and early 2000s, they sold millions and millions of this book series that was called the Left Behind series. And it really put forth this doctrinal ideology that there was going to be very, this, this clear cut textbook exam of a version of a dispensational doctrine of how the book of revelation or the end times eschatology, how it would play out. And, and it, and it really imprinted generationally another guy, Hal Lindsey and his great, you know, late great planet earth. And these, you know, there's a lot of really formative books that were utilized in the Christian scene in order to program people with what they should expect to see and how they should think that end times would play out. And so when I see the narratives that are happening over in the middle East, following the scripts that were put out by those magicians through those books, I'm really, really slow to go ahead and, and jump onto a bandwagon with it because yeah. I, I know how, how likely it is that they are going to counterfeit the, the book of Revelation and the version of it playing out a prophecy being fulfilled in order to enter in a, a global war that would, that would, man, it says in the scriptures, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's a lot of people who have put their hope on this version of end times playing out in front of their faces so they can get out of here. They can pull the parachute cord and get out of hiding and get out of dealing with the really hard version of life where you are persecuted yeah. for your beliefs. And you know what? It's a doctrine of cowardice and I utterly detest it. I hate it every time people want to want to be about it because you know what? It, it disgusts me in the Christian church. I have seen more weakness and impotence from the pulpit and from the believers in the body of the Messiah than darn near anywhere else. I love the worldly people. I really do. Inherently, I have found way more courageous people that are not trapped behind pews in the trenches, the systematized mm. sissies of trench warfare, which is our churches that have made people yeah. think that they are doing something for the kingdom when they are lazy and they are soft and they are easy targets. And you know why their lives are, are easy is because they're doing nothing to advance the kingdom of righteousness. They're doing nothing on frontline ministry. They are sitting idly by while the world burns around them while pedophiles propagate like, proliferate in their children's ministry and they do nothing about it. I have seen more perversion of justice take place in the church than any other place that I have ever been. And I'm not talking about just the Christianity movement. I'm talking about many other versions of it that have taken place in the LDS church and in all of the Roman Catholic church and in the Torah Hebraic roots movement thing. I have seen it in all kinds of places all over this country because at the end of the day, the father has given me a gift of insight I, I am alive for so many reasons because I was very quick at learning whether or not somebody's intentions were what they're saying, what they're acting like, or was there something inherently ulterior motive going on inside their heart? Yeah. I'm really good at finding people's skeletons in their closets at the end of the day. And I have seen the most disgusting matters taking place all over this country. And on one side of it, man, it made me bitter towards them. But on the other side of it, it's made me just want to go and find a way to recruit other people because at the end of the day, don't go preach to those whose ears have been titillated and scratched by so many lying signs and wonders of people that are masquerading like they care about the word when they're not willing to do what it says. He says, this is the fast I've called for, to go loosen the bonds of oppression on the necks of the people around us, to go and visit prisoners in their times of affliction, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to, to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry. Like this is what we're born to do. And so when I want to look for what the church is actively doing, like I notice that our numbers are very few. I noticed that there are few that are on the narrow path that are absolutely committed to a path of righteousness that are forsaking all others. And they are, I mean, he said, I come to bring violence. 
He said, the kingdom of Yah suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. He said, I'm not here to be, bring peace, but the version of Jesus that we represent in all the churches was this very lovey, gushy, gushy guy that with this greasy grace that just smeared over all of your sins and failures and your abject depravity. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's not okay. I, I don't want to be this version of a man that I used to be. I want to be a, a new creation. I want to be a new creature. I want to be a man who's bold and brave and ferocious and turns the world upside down. Like I want to be looking at the book of Hebrews and knowing that my life looks like those people who were persecuted, who were sawn in two, who were walk, walking about in goat skins and sheepskins, who had said this world was not worthy of them. That's where I want to be. I want to be amongst those people. So I go to the least of these and I find them in gutter preaching at the end of the day. You know, I don't have a fear of the darkness. I don't have a fear of demons and, 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 and drunks and addicts. I don't, those people are like my friends. You know, I feel a lot more comfortable with people that are wholly engrossed in depravity and dark people that are blood drinking Satanists are way more easy for me to talk to than a stereotypical Christian. I'm telling you y'all, like I have a lot more in common with them because I understand that they are bold for what they believe in. And I just utterly detest the kingdom of the gray. These people that are lukewarm, that are detestable and need to be spit out of our mouths because you know what? There is no such thing. You are absolutely in for the kingdom of darkness or you're absolutely in for the kingdom of righteousness. And there's no middle ground in this game. And you know what? I'm just looking to go ahead and continue to light this world on fire and try to find out where are the wolves, where are the sheep, and where are the shepherds because there's a lot of serpents hiding amongst the flock and we need to work our diligence at flushing them out. And you know what? I'm like a walking, I'm like a walking nightmare to a lot of people because I am, I don't make sense to them. The life that I came from is brutal and is disgusting and is deplorable. And on the other side is beautiful because this is where warriors are born. They're born in suffering. And many people are living a life of constant suffering. They're miserable because they're, they're not being used for anything of value. They know that they're being lied to. They know that they're being used and they're being exploited and they, they feel like they can do nothing about it. And that's that mind control. That's that learned helplessness that was instilled to shatter your, your belief in being a bold and brave, courageous soul winner. You were made to go literally fight for the souls of the nations. You were made to wage a war for the, the immortal souls of mankind. That's what you were born for. And anything less than that is honestly never going to scratch the itch. No matter how many drugs, no matter how much of, of the entertainment you're going to look at, you will never be satisfied because truly the bread of satisfaction you were made to eat comes from the living word, from the water of the word that will quench your thirst and out of your belly will literally flow rivers of living water so that you never thirst again. He will give you, he will let you sit down and eat to your bread and satisfaction. He has given me a family. He's given me children. He's given me the opportunity to travel around and live in some of the most beautiful and wonderful places. He's given me a body to labor and to work. And he's let me experience pain and suffering and poverty. And you know what? It's been better because I can lay down and sleep at peace at night because I know my father is watching over me and my family. I don't have the nightmares. I don't have the dread. I don't have the fear of people coming in and murdering me and butchering my children in front of my face. I don't have those fears anymore. I know that the one who watches over me never sleeps nor slumbers. I know that the one who is with me is greater than any power or dominion or throne or principality on the in this earth or the earth to, like in the in the spirits above us. Like he has all power in his hands and if you fight for him, man, you will see miracles. You will see powerful deliverances take place. 
you will see the dead rays. And I'm talking real life. Like you can go out and see these things for yourself, but you got to be willing to weigh down into the fray and get disgustingly dirty and grit and grime under your fingernails and, and waging into the battlefields that are all around you, getting to know your neighbors, doing those things that you're uncomfortable with. You need that. You need to be pruned and you need to be chastised and beaten and thrown into a furry, fiery furnace so that the old man can die. The old woman can die and a new one can be born again. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I, uh, I, I don't, I'm like speechless. I mean, I know that there was something that I wanted to say, but I don't want to ruin this, 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 what you, where you just took us because I, I mean, what, uh, what I will say is like, you know, I believe that yes, the, the, the mainstream church has definitely been infiltrated and it's, it's making, uh, you know, people sit on their hands basically, hoping someone else is going to come to save us. And, and I believe that, you know, our creator is protecting us, but we have to be that someone. We have to be the workers. The body, we have man. to make the, uh, you know, the, we have to save us. We have mm -hmm. to be the ones to, and, 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 and you know, like you, I, 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 you know, I came from that world, you know, I was very involved in the music scene and there's a lot of sex, drugs, rock and roll in that scene. I'm sober now. I'm a new creation in Christ, but I still go back to that that scene to show them the new creation. I'm not there preaching, you know. I'm just being a decent human, you know. And like you said, with you, you met some Satanists you'd rather hang out with than some of the people in church. I knew, I know some of those people. And like mm -hmm. I told my one buddy the other day, I go, he's he shows me more love and 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 more genuine to me than a lot of the people at my church that are like kind of like it's safer here and then they'll they'll cast stones right away you know and um i just i just connected on so much of what you what you just said and i know i'm not i'm not trying to that i'm i'm this big warrior because i i stumble and fall constantly daily mm. but uh i also get back up and 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 i try and turn it over to god every day to 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 uh my savior. And I know Christ is within me and I try not to defile what's within me. Um, you know, I slip with the, with the, with the eating still, you know, and, uh, with the, with the impure thoughts and the lust. But, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know. I just hope I'm not lukewarm. I'm trying not to be, you know, um, and I'm glad, you know, having this, having this conversation with you tonight, is adding more uh, motivation. And uh, there's so much that I had here, um, but I recommend, uh, but I know, you know, I want to be cognizant of your, of your time. Yeah. And I, I, I highly recommend people check out your uh, conversations with, with Sean on SGT report um, uh, on rumble. Um also, uh, your uh, website, snatchfromtheflames.com. Um, mm -hmm. if, if there's people out there that want to know more, obviously that's a resource for them to go to. Mm -hmm. But yeah. uh, your YouTube channel as well. Nathan um, Reynolds, yeah. Nathan Reynolds. Um, other places that, that people can, can find and learn more uh, that I, I'm not thinking of right now. What, yeah. Where would you start? No worries. No worries. There's, I also have a TikTok at Snatch from the Flames and uh, a, a Discord server, uh, the Linen Railroad. 
um, as well. And if you guys go to my YouTube channel or like the, the Rumble channel at the Linden Railroad, you can see all of those resources. And in the description of all of my videos, I have links, download links for my audio book. I have an ebook, a PDF, Kindle book. And uh, those are for free if any of you want to read them or listen to it or watch it. Um, you're more than welcome to do that there. Um, you can go to snatchfromtheflames.com if you'd like to um, see the other content of, of what I'm producing as well. Or if you want to order a book, I've got it goes through Amazon. Yes, I know it's not ideal, but I'm working on it. I've been living like a, a migrant for many years. And so I, uh, I'm working on transitioning that. But if you want a signed copy, you can order it there. But otherwise, um, yeah, check out the audiobook or the ebook. And um, those are available for you guys there. And uh, I put out, I've got, I don't know, four or 500 videos on YouTube and uh, places that you guys can dive in on all kinds of topics. I did regenerative agriculture and farming. And that was a tremendous massive season of my life we traveled in an rv so we have a whole playlist and series about what that was like and natural birth and farming and foraging and fa and just i mean it's, it's quite diverse becoming a gibberim if you all want to talk about a warrior series check that one out man gibberim is like the mighty men of valor the the is the special forces in the bible you read about like the real warriors man like the the and women too there's like jael killing sisera general of the army of dude come on a lady killing somebody with a tent peg and a hammer, driving it through a skull into the ground in the book of Judges. One of my favorite stories. There's some ferocious women in the scriptures too that just have zero tolerance for all the nonsense, y'all. You know, we need those mama bears to rise up and tear the throats out of these, these sycophants every day of the week. Don't consent to give your children over to monsters. You know what I mean? Like, don't do it. Not one time. You know, it's like your children will remember it forever. It's a big deal, y'all. Like, be, be a mom, be a dad, be an absolute warrior for your children and for your family's sake. Above anything else I'm talking about tonight, man, I hope that, of anything, man, that we would just be families again. Like, actual yeah. families that love each other, that care for each other, and that we are also very ferociously protective of each other because at the core tenets of what we were made to be, man, is we were made to be guardians. Like, it's what he gave to Adam. He's like, I, am gonna, I made this beautiful, incredible, idyllic utopia for you. And you know what? I want you to be an Obed in there, like an Obadiah. It's like an obedient servant. It's first word. It says it's a terrible translation. They say till the ground. That's not what he said. He said, Wor worship, be a worshipful, obedient servant. Work hard. Guard my words. It says shamar. It's literally where we get the word samurai, shamarai. It's like a king's guardian. That's literally what he made man to be, a guardian and a hard worshiper, like somebody who had a, an absolute devotion to being a steward over something precious. That's what we were supposed to be, men. That's what we were made to be. We were made to be that on this earth. And anything that gets us away from that, you know, that's why we eat our own hands. That's why we destroy ourselves and destroy the people around us because we've gotten away from our what we were made to do. You know, and so a lot of a lot of my my videos and my talks and stuff is is trying to get us back towards that because I've really found so much of the restoration of my identity and deliverance and restoration by going on a journey trying to become that, trying to trying to become a, a man. Because you know what? I was neutered at an early age and I don't know, I don't know what it's like to be a man. So I started looking in all the wrong places for where men were. But I know it. I found the true calling for that was in the scriptures. And I started finding men of boldness and courage that are still out there. The father's always preserved them. He's like, there's 7,000 other guys that haven't bowed their knees to Baal and, and haven't compromised and taken the uh, the endorsements from the pharmaceutical companies. There's a lot of righteous, amazing warriors out there in the medical industry. And in every area, the father has his secret agents, you know? And so there's good yeah. news out there. There's good hope. He always has his army waiting to rise up. And we just pray and intercede that he would bring his justice, his deliverance, and his restoration of his people once and for all. Wow. Nathan, thank you so much for your time. I, I uh I can see why Sean keeps having you back because there's so much that uh, I still had that I, I wanted to get into. And hopefully uh, maybe we can have you back Heck another yeah. time. But it seems like your schedule's really, uh, <laughs> really picking up out there. But uh, I you can see you, why. Man. But I would, I'd make time for you, of course. This was this is wonderful. And I would, I would love to still make time for you any chance I can. 
man, I appreciate that. And I would like to, uh, I definitely want to order one of those signed copies of your, of your book. I'm, I, I, I know I could take the audio route, but, uh, I like, as you can tell, you know, Good having man. hard, hard Good copies man. to read through and stuff, because, you know, um, I also believe that there's going to be a time that, you know, we're all hooked on this technology right now, but I believe that maybe sooner rather than later that this might all go away. And I'd rather right. have something that I could sit down under candlelight, you know, to, to keep feeding my soul with, you know, unadulterated, you know, it doesn't get changed or manipulated. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. But, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been, it's been an honor. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, um, motivated to keep, keep this fight going and, and bringing it out there. Um, I have your contact information. I want to send you a, a couple, uh, couple other uh, episodes I did that kind of will fit along with something, some of the stuff that we talked about. But uh, anyway, without, uh, you know, thank you so much once again for your time and I'll, I'll yeah. be in touch. Sounds good. Thank you so much as well. You have a great night. All right. You too. Bye-bye.